perhaps as a you know an atheist who, who doesn't claim to believe in God, they may say, well, you know, I look at the Bible, I see you know I see there's two laws. There's an old law, there's a new law, and you know I look at that and that, that tells me that God's not perfect because you know he he had to make two. He didn't get it right the first time, so he had to kind of redo it again to uh, you know to offer salvation. You know that doesn't make sense to me. So you know that kind of throws the Bible out and. I don't believe in God. I don't think God's perfect. Or you may, you may talk with somebody else who just, you know, they say they just they just don't understand it. They don't they don't see why that that law of Moses was given or what what its purpose was. You know, New Testament and with Jesus, you know, we have all this mercy and we have all this grace. You know, so I, you know why you know why why is the rest of that? Why, what, you know, what are those other thirty nine chapters at the beginning of the Bible about? What, what's that law of Moses really dealing with? Um, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is really just kind of take a look at what does the Bible specifically say about the law of Moses? What, why was it needed? What was its purpose? And what, what did it really do? How does it, how does it fit in overall with the continuity of the Bible? The first thing I want to take a look at is that uh, the law of Moses was needed. It was definitely needed. But I want to give us some verses on, on all these things that we're going to talk about this morning, some, some places that we can quickly turn to, to show somebody that have questions like this, you know, just what exactly is going on with the law of Moses. So the law of Moses was needed. If you turn to Genesis chapter 6, take a look over there. Genesis chapter 6, take a look at verses 5 through 7 and then 11 and 12. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the, of the hearts of, it, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. And if you go just a couple of verses ahead to verse 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of the Lord, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And what this is telling us here is that without rules, without a law, man left to his own devices, you know, the earth, we, we see what the effects of that was, if the earth was filled with violence. We also flip over to Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in man, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. Correct me, O Lord, but with justice, not with your anger, or you will bring me to nothing. So we see here from this verse, it's, you know, man cannot direct his, his steps himself. So the law of Moses was needed. It was needed as guidance because man left to his own would end up ultimately being corrupt because there's sin in this world and this, this world is sinful. So now we see what the need was. You know, let's take a look at what what exactly was the law of Moses. We have lots of verses that say that the law of Moses was holy and that it was a privilege to the Jews. Those are the people who it was given to. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter four, verses five through eight. Deuteronomy chapter four, verses five through eight. says, See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. 
So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? So you see here, Moses is telling people that, that their law is righteous and that's a privilege because it gives them understanding. And all the other nations could see that because of this great law that they had that was given to them, that they had, they had understanding that they were made wise through it by following it. If you also look at Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, they were entrusted with the oracles of God. So this law of Moses said was given to the Jews. These were the oracles of God. These were the commandments of God that was given to them to tell them how to live. If you look at Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, we sing a song about this uh, particular passage, so it should sound familiar. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. So you see here the law described several different ways. It's perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure. It's a good thing, it's holy, it's a, it's a privilege that's been given to them to guide them. Uh, also in Psalm 119, flip over there, look at verses 137 through 144. Psalm 119, verses 137 through 144. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. You have commanded your testimonies in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. And then finally, if you look in Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 13. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 13. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and, kill, and through it killed me. 
So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Really trying to drive home the idea here that, you know, even though sometimes, you know, we'll say like in Bible class and things like that, well, you know, the law of Moses is, you know, it's obsolete now. It's taken out of effect. We live under the new covenant now. What was what was given to the Jews was still considered, you know, it was pure, it was holy, it was a, it was a very good thing. These were the oracles of God. They were the only people that had this special law at that time. It was a, a very holy and special thing to them, and uh, and we need to always be mindful and respectful of that. And in this last passage in particular, it's going to lead us into the next the next point. What you know, what did the law of Moses do? We see here. It identified sin. The law of Moses identified righteous and sinful behavior, and it educated them about it. Let's go back to, uh, actually we'll flip just a few pages back to Romans 3, verse 20. I'll I'll go ahead and start reading from 19. Uh, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And if we go back to the Old Testament, take a look at uh, Psalms 94. Psalm 94, look at verses 8 through 13. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke, even he who teaches man knowledge? The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are a mere breath. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the wicked. So we see here in this passage that the man who is taught by the law is blessed. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Look at verses 20 through 24. My son, observe the commandment of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart, tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. So we see here, uh, we see here that basically the old law was a guide. If they followed it, it would guide them. It would be a light to them. It would help them to do the things that God told them to do. And then lastly, if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 through 25. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord God commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. 
It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as he commanded us. So we see here in this passage that you know, they were to observe all these statutes that Moses gave them. They will be for their good always and for their survival. And that uh, if they were careful to do it, that God would take care of them. You see other passages in the Old Testament where there's always there's always kind of this pattern. You know, if you will fear me and keep my commandments, you know, then I will give you these blessings, or then you know these things will happen. So it was it was a it was a it was a guide to them to show them what the right things were to, what the right things were, and what the wrong things were. So now we've kind of laid a foundation why there was a need. You know, we established the you know, law of Moses. It was, it was a holy thing given specifically to the Jews to, to teach them and guide them. So you really dig into really the heart of this. You know, what, what is the purpose of the law of Moses? What, what was the real purpose of it? And thankfully, if, if you flip over to Galatians chapter 3, um, we have a, an inspired commentary that Apostle Paul tells us exactly, exactly what the purpose of the law of Moses is. So if you look over at Galatians chapter 3, start in verse 15. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed that is Christ. What I am saying is this. The law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise. But God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? Or what is the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scriptures shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore the law has come therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. And this is a pretty beefy passage here, so let's kind of go back and break it down a little bit. If you look back in verse 18, it's talking about an inheritance and it's talking about the promises. If you remember, there were three promises given to Abraham. A particular focus here was talking about the final promise or a spiritual blessing. You know, Abraham was promised that all nations would be blessed through him. So let's, you know, the, the first part of the passage here is talking about, you know, does, you know, the old law, you know, does it somehow invalidate, you know, the promise given to Abraham? 
what, it, what it's saying is that it was added to it, particularly if you look in verse 19, it was added because of the transgressions of man. So it was a guide to help lead them along the way. Um, in verse 21, we see that the purpose of the old law, it wasn't to give righteousness. It wasn't to give salvation. That's not what it was given for. It didn't provide any kind of salvation. And verses 22 and 23, we see that because of the law and because of the education that it gave on what was right and what was wrong, it locked everybody up under sin because, you know, like we saw in that passage earlier in Romans, you know, it talks about coveting, you know, say, oh, you shall not covet. Well, then sin taking opportunity, I get all kinds of coveting and sin. So people were locked up under that. Verse 24 is really that key, that key verse there. It says, the law was the tutor to lead the Jews to Christ. The law of Moses prepared the Jews for the fulfillment of Abraham's final promise. And that was when Christ came to bring salvation to all. That's what the purpose of the old law was. And then we see in verses 26 and 29, 26 through 29, that because of Christ and because of the salvation that he brings, we are now, you know, if we follow the commandments of the new covenant, we follow the, the new, you know, and obey him, we, we now too can become heirs to the promise. And then the last point that I want to make about this is if you look at verse 25, it says, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. What that implies then is that the law of Moses has now been fulfilled. If you go back to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, uh, you see in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And then Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And sometimes, you know, we'll hear people say, you know, when they're studying or when they're in Bible class or something like that, that you know, well, you know, the old law, you know, it's obsolete. It's been done away with. You know, it, it doesn't really matter now anymore. We have to be careful about that. Really, what it says here is that it had a purpose, and that purpose was fulfilled. It was to prepare the Jews, make them ready for the coming of Christ so that salvation could be given to everybody. So we want to be careful, and we want to realize that it's fulfilled. And if it's fulfilled, we don't have to live under it anymore. But if we can still use it as a tutor to teach us about principles of God, we don't have to, you know, keep the Sabbath and things like that. But it still has value. And we see from these verses here and kind of what we talked about today, you know, that there was a need for it. You know, man needed guidance. Uh, God chose the Jews to fulfill his promise to Abraham. You know, he gave him a, a, a nation of people. And through that, he gave them a law to guide them and to teach them wasn't to give them salvation. It was to prepare them for the coming of Christ and prepare them to you know, bless all nations through Christ and through the salvation that he provided. Um, so I hope that uh, the lesson today has kind of cleared up some things about, about the law of Moses and what, it, what it, the need for it was and what the purpose for it was. And 
hope that you know now we'll be able to you know somebody asks a question about it or you know has has some concerns about it you know we can quickly flip back and forth to some of these passages in particular I mean if someone has a question about you know you know why was the old law important or why was it really there I mean you can go to Galatians three that's a real straightforward section that you can really study with somebody quickly and it can also use it as an opportunity to lead someone to Christ and say okay now that it's been fulfilled let's talk about Let's talk about Christ. Let's talk about the salvation that he brings.